Welcome and you're listening to Geekologist Radio, division of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. Hey, it's Damien and welcome to Geekologist Radio, where we take you through our queue and ride the hype train into the future. Let's introduce our crew for tonight's cast. We're really excited. We got multiple people here tonight, not just deuces. So oh my that, God. that would be, first up, we got Paul. Paul, what's Hi, everyone. On, I'm Paul. I'm back. Yes, see what we got, Paul. Next, we got the Jeff Berry. What's going on? That is me. And hey. it is I. No, it is you. <laughs> it is me. I, you, we are. We Except are after E. <laughs> and next, we also have Nick coming back. Hey, what's up, everybody? How you guys doing? <laughs> it's a Northwest crew. This is this tonight. is the West Crew. This is the West Crew. This is the PNW Crew. But West PNW. Well, one of the things what I wanted to say is that that sorry about the episodes getting out a little bit late. We had some stuff going on. Uh, new editor. Uh, I'm right now taking on the edits, and then we will also be training other people up on it. And with that, Cajun and Derek, or well, not Derek, <laughs> Derek, who is Cajun, and Chris, two wolves. We were discussing, and a lot of the times beforehand, we did recording on Thursday nights. Now, that is a done, that's gone, Gonskis. We're doing it on Fridays now. And so the, the recording time, the release time, I'm still going to try to do it, release on the Mondays. But for a little bit while here, while I'm getting used to editing and whatnot, the days may shift just a little bit, but we're going to do our best to kind of keep in line with everything. So this episode, for episode number 74, by 76 76 and what we're doing right now is we're going to be jumping into an RQ. oh before that ha we're gonna do errors and omissions because we have some yeah what? um i'm equally at fault for this because i was told that i have to say the first error and omission is that pronunciation of fouts's name i was told that i must say that Yes, I I misspoke about that again. Not only did I type it wrong several different times, I also said it wrong. <laughs> so, fa- what did you He's say? Faust. 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 Yeah, oh, Faust. you should have at least said Faust. Yeah, that Faustian cool. bargain. <laughs> yeah. And so Faust, when you're listening bargain. to this, there, we corrected it. The next up was, and this is, I was I was also bad because I did not, I did not correct on the, the Fouts part, and I did not correct on this either. Because it, it sounded right at the time. Instead of saying Freddie Mercury in the last episode, we said Eddie Mercury. Take my Queen albums now. I'm so disappointed yeah. in myself. You, yeah. yeah. Really? It's not his name, really? Nick. Yeah. Nick, I, wasn't, I wasn't happy with myself. Well, as soon as I heard that, I, I, I messaged Damien. I was like, no! What did I, I do? I honestly don't think that he would have been as popular if he was Eddie. Hey, you know, you could. I mean, at least he wasn't Gary Glitter. <laughs> or Eddie Money. <laughs> or Frank Mars. <laughs> or Frank Castle. Hey, 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 Frank Castle is my boy. You, you back off. You back off. Yeah, but nobody wants to actually be Frank Castle. No, because, yeah, his because to be murdered. No, because to become the Punisher, you, be, you have yeah, to. Yeah, do you want to be Frank Castle? <laughs> No, no, no. Do you? Yeah, Yeah. that's what I thought. (laughs) He's awesome. We all love him, but we don't want to be him. Exactly. The other error omission was that a a misname for one of the stars of The Ghosted, which is Allie Walker is the lead of the underground organization in Ghosted, and so not Amber West. 
And that is a Jeff type of thing to do. So I'm surprised that you guys did it. <laughs> that was my fault again. I'm going to take both hits on these because he didn't mention, he couldn't think of the name. And I said, oh, is it Amber West? And he's like, oh, yeah, I think so. But I, I love Sons of Anarchy, and I knew it was Allie Walker. I love Allie Walker. Well, I hate Allie Walker and Sons of Anarchy, but she was a great character. So I take both those hits. <laughs> now we are going into RQ, starting off with the gifted episode four. This is something that we are following and we are going through with a fine tooth comb. Fine tooth comb. Cume? <laughs> what the hell fine is a fine tooth cume? Is it like fine tooth cumin? Are you thinking of like really finely powdered cumin? Maybe. And then combed? Yeah. That's wrong. You're wrong. I, you know, I, 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 however your, I spice my food, stuff. you know, if I comb my food, it's fine. All right. I, I've seen, Don't you know what, I've seen food. The Little Mermaid a million times, and you know what, those, she combs her hair with a fork, so it's, if I'm going through with seasonings, it's it's a fork, okay? I wouldn't be proud of this fact, dude. Don't don't brag about seeing <laughs> The Little Mermaid a million times. You're talking to a cook. <laughs> I am too! <laughs> give, 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 give me your man card. Give me your no. man card. He does, he does have a daughter. I'll, get, I'll, I'll, fight, okay, I'll fight back fair. for you on fine. that. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> so Wait. Disney is good in its own right. All right so I so the gifted episode four, it's going more into the storyline with it's the the siblings are starting to learn more of their capabilities now, and it's coming off as being more of something where they are they're they're kind of pushing it towards them being like a duo. Uh, they're the sister has had more time to hone her powers. Where the brother, he still has to get angered, basically, to be able to have, to be able to use his abilities. But the combination between the two, his is like this rage that that goes all over the place. But because of her shielding abilities, she's able to kind of target things. And that's a big key to this episode. And stopping a vehicle, it's it also goes in and brings in another mutant. It, I, I kind of felt like this was like some of the mutants in this, or some of the characters... They almost need to be red coats or red coats, red red shirts from Star Trek. They needed to be British. <laughs> oh, uh, dear Eliza, uh, I've come here to use my mutant powers to, uh, well, frankly, overthrow oh, you. Look what my eyes can do. <laughs> pew pew. I got oh, you. Oh, I, I, uh-huh. I can tell what you're thinking. And look, I can move that brick over there. Watch me destroy this lamppost. <laughs> Paul's <is> awesome. <laughs> Thanks. You got a fan. <laughs> yeah. There, I was going to say, one. there's one. Where's the second one? Hey, hey, two. My mom counts as the other one. All right. <laughs> Your mom counts. Uh, when you're talking about yeah, honing she can count their, all the way to ten. You're talking about honing their powers. They really do work together in this episode, mm-hmm. though. And he actually, because he is, his powers are very emotional based. And at one point, she has to yell at him. She has to get into his face and bring up past memories from high school to get him to even use his powers because emotionally he wasn't attached to anything. So he just, he, they weren't working, you know, at, at, at that point in time. But uh, they, you find out later why they weren't working. And in the past, we talked about Johnny, who is the tracker, so that his mutant name is Tomahawk. And yeah. Tomahawk talked about how he trains and he trains through honing good emotion and trying to get away from the. The anger and stuff, like anger and fear. I mean, I feel almost like we're talking about Star Wars here, but the anger and fear, yeah, it creates this, creates great power 
but it's sporadic. They're not able to not able to control what happens, and they're still trying. Th- you know, these mutants, Spider Man, <laughs> we are. <laughs> these mutants are trying to protect. You know, yeah. they're, they're still trying to be the good guys, despite the fact that they're being hunted. Correct. They're they're still the underground group that's you know trying to fight their way up, and basically just trying to be as mutants, even with the Homo sapiens in this world. Uh, whatever timeline we talked about it last week, whatever timeline it's in, you know. And the the way that this goes, I mean, they reference the X Men a lot. Like the X Men are their this particular group. The X Men is like their what they want to be in this timeline. That's what they they look to as their kind of their mentors and stuff. And and the two characters that are kind of the lead, that are the lead of the mutant side are Polaris and Eclipse. And some this is the the central storyline to to them. It, this is where we get into this episode. It was it was pairings, Polaris and Eclipse, and then you have the, you have the siblings. Paul, you had you had something that you wanted to say. Uh, I wanted to ask actually. Uh, I read somewhere that in this timeline, the X Men have vanished. Is this what See, I'm originally hearing? Logan was supposed to be its own thing? And mm-hmm. what happened is Brian Singer gets a hold of this, and he's like, no, 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 no. Hugh Jackman is one of my X-Men and he w- reaches out and says, okay, I'm going to use my creative, con- you know, creative control and I'm going to bridge these two. And so Logan takes place in the future of what's going on now. So much so that there is a mark that's seen on one of in this, that is the same mark of the company that is, is been raising mutants as weapons that you see the emblem oh. appear in this episode so it's another nod. In Logan, they talk about the mutants being hunted and all the stuff that's going on. We are seeing that happen mm-hmm. in this series. Not only do you see it, but now you're seeing a mutant that actually is going against the underground mutants, and but was a friend of Johnny. They, they bring that up in that episode. Was a friend of Johnny, but somehow he has been brainwashed, whatever. But we saw in the earlier episode, episode two, where that scientist had called the Sentinel program and was talking to him, and he kind of pushed him off to the side. But obviously something is going on that we don't know about where they're taking mutants and honing them for their own, their skills for their own use. Mm -hmm. Now this mutant has the ability, his name is Pulse, and he has the ability to take down systems. Well, one of those systems that he can nullify is a two-block radius of mutant powers. Isn't that kind of like what uh, the albino and Logan could do? No. The albino in Logan, he can track mutants. And this one can just sense this their one, power? No, no, he, he can, can nullify just... it. No. He Nulli- can, oh, okay. He can Sorry, I, I didn't hear that word. My bad. Oh, so that's kind of, almost kind of like the, the cure part yes, in uh, yes, X3. Yes. Which is oh, also okay. Brian Singer. So, No, it's not. It's Brett Ratner. That's, is X3? Is Brett Ratner? Are you sure? X3, X3 is Brett. I'm positive. Okay. I said that last time, too, and I got corrected. It's Brett Ratner. Okay. Oh, all right. So, yeah. So that, well, then that makes this even more interesting because in this series, things are tying back to X3, Brett Ratner's film. because th- Which was retconned. Yeah, retconned out of existence. Yeah, but now it's been pulled, mm. it's been brought back into the timeline. Via Logan. That's, I don't know, that's weird, man. That seems like they're kind <clears> of... <throat> but no, but if, if the gifted is connected to Logan, then wouldn't that mean that Logan is connected to X3? Yeah, and they, it, yeah it's, it's all... It's all connected in. So, so then Brian Singer is taking credit for a universe 
that he had no hand in at this point. Because if he's connecting it to both Logan and X3, those are two films that had no Brian Singer. Mm-hmm. And that's I, just, I don't know, that's interesting. I never thought Logan was not in the X3 universe, though. Isn't that the same universe that they're all in? I thought that it was just a, a lot. That's what I thought, too. I thought yeah. it was just its own thing, like just, like, just to be its own solo, completely not connected to anything. Like, it was the Wolverine uh, no, the no, same way? No, that's, that's connected, connected to the universe. But see... Then I think that Logan is connected to the universe as well, because it's following... Okay, this is how I look at it. I'm going to use an example here. How do we know that a James Bond is not the same James Bond, and that it's not following his storyline? They changed the actor. That's, that's, that's good point. how. Since the same actor is being used... Hugh Jackman, it's going to be the same one, even if they are <laughs> shitty films. Like, like X3? It's it's going to be... Yeah, exactly. Or uh, X-Men... Or, uh, I'm X-Men sorry, Origins. I want to defend that. I, I love, I, I love like... Yeah, I, I do honestly <laughs> love them all. Uh, I mean, Origins was... Origins... I, I mean, when I went and saw it in theaters, I was excited about it. Yeah, the whole Ryan Reynolds thing, that Deadpool was wasted and was not Deadpool. Was not Deadpool. I will admit that fully. It was. It should have been a generic mutant that he was fighting in my mind. But but Leah Shriver as... Uh, Sabretooth. Sabretooth. Phenomenal. Uh, fantastic casting. And I, I love it. He was supposed to have a part in Logan. I heard about that, yeah. I, I forget what the problem was and why they didn't have it. He but... was filming... Scheduling yeah, because he was still filming his last... Uh, his last Ray season, yeah, last season of Ray Donovan, which I just finished. It's great. Now, like we like I said, this episode we kind of got all over the place there with X Men because the thing is, is we got a bigger group and we are very passionate about our comics and stuff like that. And getting on out of this, I just wanted to say that this was a lead up to the episode five, which episode five is going to be a real telling, uh, at least the way that they're advertising it. They're it's like first first couple seconds they're screaming X Men, so it's yes. And the teaser for episode five. Hmm. One thing I just want to mention real quick is that just a quick theory before we start watching five and six, seven, I think Polaris because of episode two and one of what's happened to her so far, I think she starts getting more frustrated with being hunted down. And I think she's going to take things way more violently than she, she started in episode three. I think it's going to, or I'm sorry, episode four, but I think it's going to keep going. Now that way. with that, do you think that that could be something that she pulls and brings in? Cause if she goes aggressive and separates that can bring in the brotherhood. That might be the tie in there. I'm not sure, but you could see her just getting more frustrated as things have gone on. They locked her up. They took away her powers, got kicked in the stomach. A lot of things have happened to her real quickly in four episodes. Next, we're going to roll into Ghosted episode number four. Nick, I'm going to let you lead off with this one. Ghost number four, it carried on with what the first three episodes were. But I, I did enjoy the fact that there was a lot of alien references. There's the clicking sound. What they're fighting is like an alien. Go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. I'm caught up. I didn't know I was caught up. So <laughs> no, that's fine. I wasn't going to say anything. The only thing I, I was like, some of, the, this. some of the banter back and forth with the scientists, I talked about this last week, kind of threw me off. And he had a little bit bigger part in this one, which... I don't really enjoy I'm not really enjoy his character so much. Go ahead, Jeff. I'm going to like okay, so yeah. Uh, his name is Barry, correct? He 
for me, I think that he's just he is the awkward. He wants to be social, but he doesn't know how to be because he is uh he is such a science type. He is that kind of trope of like Revenge of the Nerds. Like I don't know how to react with actual people. Yeah, he's an he's an intellect that doesn't know how to deal with people that are just normal. Yeah, exactly. Basic basic Big Bang Perfect, Theory yeah. character. So yeah. Uh, that's what I feel Barry is. I think he's funny. I, I do think he's funny, but he is awkward. And that's tough because, yeah, it, it's tough, at least for me, to watch people being to be that awkward. But it's it, it's fine, and it works for what He was a little bit do. better in this episode than last one. I didn't uh, – I talked about it last week. But for Craig Robinson and Adam Scott, they're both hilarious. They're good in this episode, and Adam Scott does take a more of a lead role in this one. In episode three, Craig Robinson took more of a lead role, so I did enjoy that. That's what that. I was going to actually jump in on and say was the fact that in this one, it was like Adam Scott was remembering, oh, I'm usually the leading guy in my my, my films, and it was almost like kind of like just – it was kind of humorous how it seemed like he was he was fighting for his spot, and, and I found that to be really – uh, yeah, we found out in this episode. Sorry, we found out in this episode that everybody views Craig Robinson's character as the man, and I don't think we really picked up on that in the first three. Well, behind Bob, behind uh, what's his name? Oh yeah, uh, Bo- everybody loves guy. Bob. Yeah, yes, I forgot about I, that. Was fantastic. I thanks yeah. Jeff. That was really, I really enjoyed that opening scene of Bob. Yeah, that was really good. That was funny. But everybody looked at Craig Robinson now as the guy. And I don't know if Adam Scott had picked up on that before, but everybody was kind of mentioning it to him in the in the episode, and he was like, "Wait a minute, I I can do all these things." And he does he does figure it out in the end. He uses this big brain, and you know he that's what they kept on referencing. Use that brain of yours, and he does figure out how to stop this alien like creature. And he actually shows some guts this time because the last three episodes he didn't really show that much. He's more Adam Scott's more. I want to say he is more Matt Smith Doctor Who than anything. It's a good else. analogy, um, and so he's he's more in his own head than he is with what's going on. And yeah, if he's not so confident in the situation, it, he's not good the alpha male at all. He takes a backseat to whoever it is, but he still has his uh, the wheels turning in his head, and. I feel like these characters are all fleshed out in different ways. uh, And you're going to see that more and more as the episodes come out. You're going to see Adam Scott become more layered. You're going to see Craig Robinson become more layered. He's not just going to be a person that tries to uh, be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to do this because I don't need to rely on anybody else. And he's actually going to break down and show that, oh, he's got a lot of insecurities, which you saw. Now, this was kind of like a a mix, uh, like a flip-flop. of I think it was episode two with the succubus. Because in this one they had they had Craig Robinson's character Leroy. Oh, that was episode three. So episode three. So Leroy now was noticing like some a connection between Max and Amber Stephen West's character Annie, and it was kind of putting itself in to be something that I think is going to definitely be a story pivot, especially with they introduce Annie's boyfriend. So I, I think there's going to be something that's going to go with that in the in a next step in one of the next episodes. That's that's what I think. He's going to be a creature. Of Damn some it, Jeff! Sort. Just yeah. <laughs> Damn you! Yeah. As soon as he as soon as he pulled up in his, <laughs> totally... in his uh, fast red car, but he doesn't have a job, and he says, "Oh man." Yeah. <coughs> 
you guys got it easy today, like banker hours. He says something like that, and he's like, I'm working all day. She says, oh, he has a magazine. He's like, yeah, I got a lot of things going on. And I was like, ah, oh, this guy's such a douche. She's glamored. How much you want to bet she's just glamored? I was going to say that sometimes – that's that's funny that you say it because instantly when he pulled up, I'm like, he's got some type of day ring or something like this from the WB. He's, he's going to be a vampire and that – yeah, from the originals yeah, yeah. or and then, uh, and then, Vampire Diaries type stuff. I only know that because of my wife. I love originals. I I'm still, I'm still, I'm all. still watching it. Those are yeah. my wife. Seasons. My wife too. She's trying to get me. She's the originals are so good. Watch the, originals the originals is good. I, like I have not watched Vampire Diaries, yeah. but the originals is good. My wife has you watched it and tried to get you me to watch VD? it, but I'm, I'm good. But, I, I think I think her boyfriend though. What what? When you give him three episodes, four episodes, Damien's by the end of the season, he's dead, ball. right? Yeah, he's got to he, be because and then what's going to happen is is that because I mean we already know that that uh, Adam Scott's wife is some type of alien now, yeah. so it's not yeah. that's not his wife. So we don't know what's going to happen to that. Now, what could happen? This is a theory. My theory is that Adam Scott's wife is not. It's an alien that's making that's in her likeness then he's going to wind up getting with annie and then what's going to happen to that is that at some maybe season two the real they're going to do something and then they're going to come across the real adam scott's wife and it's going to create this it's going to create some drama there within the within the comedy or they get together and adam scott's wife comes back and realizes that they're together she gets jealous she tries to kill west adam scott saves her Something like that, you know. Yeah, or she winds up with uh, winds up with Leroy. Oh, that would hurt Adam Scott. <laughs> but Adam, but Leroy knows that that uh, uh, Adam likes her. What is Adam Scott's character's name? I'm dropping Max. it now. Max. Ben. Max. Dang it. Okay. So Max. Oh, Max likes Max. her. Yeah. Everybody, you can tell that. In oh uh, no! I was gonna say that Craig that or that Leroy winds up with Max's Max's wife. Oh. All right. Oh, so oh. moving out of out of uh, ghosted theories and everything else gonna go into talking about white famous episode number four man this this move this tv show just keeps this move it's got it's got a lot of star power in it but it it is it is so much fun to watch it's just a joy to turn on i got except for except for making sure that the kids aren't walking in and out because you can't do that with this show at all but it just from being a Californification fan, every single time a character sh- comes in, I'm shouting, I'm shouting to the character. I'm like, I love you! Like, like I get really excited about it because I, I love Californication. I thought it was a very well written show. Um, I love the. I actually a lot of times like the side characters better than the main characters because of how well they were created. And one of those characters is Kroll. And we'll get a little more into him a little bit later, but no. Dave Kroll. <laughs> Nick. No, you're thinking of Nick Kroll. <clears throat> you said Dave. That's you were I thinking said. of Dave Grohl. Grohl. I was thinking of Dave Grohl and <laughs> so Dave Kroll. And it came out. So it came. Nick Kroll and Kroll, uh, Food yeah. Fighters would be amazing. <laughs> yes, they're yes, they're both. Awesome. Say Food Fighters. Yeah. <laughs> well, Nick Kroll and uh, Food Fighters would be great. Yeah. Basically, this episode, Mooney, it gives him an enemy kind of. It, it, it sets itself up for him to have his his antagonist for the pro, for him being the protagonist. And it, it but in in a in, in a comical way, of course, with along with the show, he's going in to film a movie, and he gets told he has to wrestle with this guy. Well, the last episode left off with him finding out that Baby's mama has a boyfriend, and it kind of just kind of rolls in from that. Well, 
what you don't know is that Baby's mom's boyfriend is an actor as well. Who's represented by his agent. Yeah, so Michael Rappaport is the director of this movie, which he's he's so funny in. Is Michael Rappaport in Californication? That's what I want uh, to ask you. I don't remember his character. I don't think his character was in. He it's, is so good and white famous. He, he may have been a writer in one of the, the seasons uh, of Californication, but I can't remember. From Justified to Typical A that was on Netflix to this, Michael Rappaport's had a nice little what, three, four years here of, of decent TV shows and roles that he's been into. I really enjoy his character as this kind of crazy director who does things very outside the box, you know, trying to set up his actors and get their motivation, you know, in real world scenarios, which they don't know they're a part of. <laughs> and in this episode, they wind up going and they at one point he's like, hey, you know, they're, they're talking about they're doing a biopic of this band. And it was called the band was called Angry... Angry Black, correct? Angry and Black. It's punk rock band from L.A., early and 80s. And Mooney, is, his role is that he's supposed to be playing the lead singer, and then his baby's mama boyfriend is playing another one of, one of the like, the lead guitarists, and it's them. He's like, oh, well, they both have matching tattoos, and the directors, the way he does, the way he thinks. He's like, oh, we're going to have you meet up in this tattoo parlor, and we're going to meet up with, with one of our guys who knew the band. And they walk in. And to people who follow Californication, it's Kroll. And this is a guy that was a character that was so liked in the season that he was used in that he was this this kind of roadie slash security for the band that he was so liked that he got brought back, kept being brought back in different roles. And they kind of rolled him into other other positions in the series. And they liked him so much that they brought him back and put him in here. And it just fits. So when I saw it, I I literally stood up. It was like, crawl! And then... All hail, crawl! And, and like, my, my <laughs> brother-in-law comes out and goes, what's going on? I'm like, I'm like it's, a, it's a really awesome character that's getting another shot and could honestly hold... This character, with how well he is, he could actually hold a whole thing himself. Like, he could have a whole series based on his character. Paul. Uh, is it the same character or the same, same character that because this wait, wait, wait. So, so white famous is in the same universe yes. as Californication. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Oh, that's really funny. It's, that's it's an extension. And this is this just in this just in. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't. I, if, if, if it helps, I don't listen to any podcasts. <laughs> You're not the only one on the show that doesn't listen. <laughs> one of the crazy things with this is that. When when they bring the characters in and stuff like this, Californication was an hour long episode, right? Mm-hmm. White Famous is thirty minutes, but I'll tell you what: in thirty minutes, you get enough content and it's quality content that you feel like you just sat through a full sixty minute TV show, and it leaves you wanting more. When it's when, it, when the the credits start coming up, you're like, I'm not done. I I want more, and I have to wait a whole another week. The writing is top-notch. Jay Furrow in this episode is great, but this is kind of a a, a coming-of-age for Jay Furrow. Not coming-of-age, that's the wrong way to say it, but he's matured so much in this episode from what he was in episode one and two with his kid's mother to, at the end of this episode, he gives his son some advice, and he takes his own advice, and he kind of matured in that state instead of going after the boyfriend who's going to be playing the guitarist in the, in the movie that he's a part of. Go ahead, Jeff. I'm going to have to agree. Like, Jay Farrow, just in general, like, I, I loved him on SNL, and I'm, I'm basically, I'm echoing what you guys said last week. He was just 
he was great. Uh, and I was sad to see that n- he didn't really do anything since he's been gone. And then to hear that he's been doing Life Famous is just happy. Jeff, if you like happy. Jay Farrow, this is a Jay Farrow driven uh, TV show that's it's it's him. It's he's the lead actor, and I'm with you. My wife calls him my boyfriend on SNL because I love them so much on there. I thought he should have had more sketches. He should. I think he's a great writer. People, other people that were on the show called him a good writer on SNL. Well, the thing that was kind of sad is that they used Keenan uh, Thompson, which was uh, like he's good for certain things, but they used Keenan Thompson more than Jay Farrow is. But but he's a terrible impressionist though, and Jay Farrow was just like top tier impressions. Nobody did a better Obama than Jay Farrow, and and when a, and I know SNL is very political driven nowadays, and for a lot of their sketches, uh, oh, almost yeah. too much. But when Obama was in, in the White House, he was fantastic. He was spot on. Uh, I really loved him a lot, mm-hmm. and and everything he did. I'm a little bit too much of a fanboy, so I'll apologize for some of the stuff. But, but I think that he also kind of gotten. I think that he also got really pigeonholed. As Correct. Just yeah. Obama. Yeah. And yeah. And that was it. Um, and just because he did such a great impression of. Obama, oh my God! <laughs> yeah. This Eddie Murphy You're was right. amazing. I, I forgot about he that. Has... You're 100 percent right. I forgot yeah. all about uh, that. Uh, uh, uh. I can't do that laugh. <laughs> nope. But... Yeah. That's actually pretty no, good. He did yeah. that actually perfectly. <laughs> so Paul. he actually does. He actually references Eddie Murphy a lot in this series and White Famous. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because for just to be on my white person perch for a second, like for black act, black comedic actors, he's kind of like the top of the tier of like people who you would want who in like inspired them all to become comedic actors. He's one of the people that uh, bridged the gap of, you know, white culture at the time and black culture at the time. Kind of like how Kevin mm-hmm. Hart is now. Uh, and uh, how Chris Rock... Chris Rock helped. never reached that Eddie Murphy uh, level, though. No, but I'm just saying, like, it, we're talking mm-hmm. about, like, generations here. I think Richard Pryor started... I think Richard, Richard Pryor, Pryor yeah, definitely. broke the mold... And most and most people that I listen to Richard Pryor is part of the comedic trilogy. Yeah, but even even white comedians uh, talk about Richard Pryor as being their number one, you know, uh, or you know George Carlin as their number one. But Richard Pryor is like talk mm-hmm. of top of the mountain. Eddie Murphy's like what one A, you know, or I mean one B. Sorry to that. If we're talking about like a tier class, you know, like during fighters and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, well, they always say, what's your number one, you know, for comics? Who did you go, you know, if you're listening to, like, Mark Marin podcast or something like that, they mm-hmm. always bring up, what's your guy? You know, what's, what's your person that you, you grew up listening to? Yeah, exactly. Mark guy? Marin always does that. So <laughs> Richard Pryor is a lot of people's guys. Yeah. And, yeah, if you listen to some of his old stuff or listen to, you know, Blazing Saddles or, you know, whatever with uh, Gene Wilder is fantastic. Oh, well, he wasn't in Blazing Saddles, but he yeah. did, he was one of the writers on it. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was originally supposed to be cast in it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was listening to... Uh, actually, I was listening... No, that's fine. I was listening to uh, Mark Maron's podcast when they had... Uh, anyways, he mentioned that in that podcast. Uh, but uh, White Famous, uh, this episode was uh, my second favorite. This thing has so much out... Just laugh out loud parts in it. 
And I said last week that Gifted was a must-watch. If you like Jerry Farrell, if you like anything comedic-wise, this is this is a must-watch. I love this show. Uh, as soon as it pops up, I'm, I watch that episode right then and there. It's only 20 minutes long, so you can get it out real quickly. Nice. Yeah, I got to check this out. Uh, I used to have Showtime. And, like, Jay Farrell, he's, he was just great on SNL. And so, I mean, if you like him there, you're probably going to like him in anything that he does. He's got enough. And I don't want to see I, the stage. I agree with you, I, yeah. I, I'm going in just like, I didn't watch, like, I dropped off of Saturday Night Live quite a while back. This is my first time really experiencing his type of comedy. I've heard, read somewhere that they're talking about redoing The Golden Child. If they're going to redo The Golden Child, I don't, or if they're doing a sequel, don't put Eddie Murphy in it. Don't do a sequel. If you're going to redo it, redo it, but put him in it. And I don't want him to be pigeonholed into playing these films that these other actors have done. But... I would if he's but if they're going to redo something, exactly. he is your guy. Coming to America is supposed to be re, being redone by Eddie Murphy, not redone. I don't know. It's a sequel. I think it's, it's just going to be a continuation of it. It's sequel. a sequel. Jay yeah. Farrell. Jay Farrell has to be. In he could play the son. I mean, he, he could play the son. He should play, he should play oh his son. God. That's like, <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfect <laughs> casting by Paul. Hey, and Nash. Yeah, yeah we said it together. Nash, okay, double teamed it. Sorry, sorry, Nash. Now that it has to happen. Like we need this needs to be written up. Uh, I'll start writing. <laughs> going on to ju- jump into The Walking Dead. Not going to do too deep on this one because it's the first episode. There's some. There's a lot of. This was a lot of lead up to a lot of kind of confusion, and it's there's three. Di- we can tell that there's three different timelines going on here, and we're not. It just. See, see, I. Oh man, I, I didn't catch you were like I only caught two different timelines. I heard other people talking about three, but I really only see two. I see him standing in front of the graves. But that I think that's just before him getting hyped up because he's carrying the same gun before he gets hyped up to say his speech and say goodbye to his daughter and say the speech to get you know everybody what? rallied up to you know go what? to Negan's place. I think that place. was me getting confused. I think I got it. Two graves. It's Glenn and Abraham. There we go. It's the two graves. The graves are there beforehand. I believe it's just mm-hmm. two timelines. And the second timeline, if anybody's not caught up timelines. to the books, the second timeline makes a lot of sense to me. Um, it's not done particularly well, but, uh, they do mention the fact that there's a harvest or a festival and in the books, that's a huge story plot in the book. So Nick, do you think that this is something that this entire season, we're going to have flashbacks going back to this festival? They've already said that that's what it's going to be, but this is where the show should end. The show, the book should have ended at the harvest because I'm caught up on the trades right now and I don't even like where it's going. I'm... I'm I'm reading it just to complete it, but I'm 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 literally hoping they end it before they ruin it anymore. Because Robert Kirkman, he's a great writer. I mean, uh, Invincible, other books that he's written, they're really well timed out. This one is kind of dragged on. There was a great spot to end this book. He could have started up a different timeline. There's another book written that I re- that I read that was based in the same timeline, but it was in London. It was. The Walking Dead in London, and that was a great book. They could have just continued that. So, going off the TV show, I wish the book would have ended at the end of the harvest because it was a great, great storyline. It was a great plot. Um, I, I almost miss reading it because I'm past it now. So, in the TV show, I hope, I hope they don't go past this part, this this futuristic timeline where you see an old man Rick that's halfway bald, but Michonne still looks like she's 21. <laughs> Yeah, because that's how men write. <laughs> I, I men, guess young women. She this is an age, and Black Panther. She looks amazing too. 
Well, Michonne is basically she has found out that her blood is actually the cure. And actually, when she got the disease, she she's been turned. But what it did is give her gave now her it's gonna be the start of the power. vampires or this Highlander. So What's now, going on? I gotta know. No, 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 no. Uh, it, it, she, basically, you're right. Highlander. Oh my god, I mean, she's she McLeod. The first one with the samurai sword. She's been cutting off heads so much. Michonne yeah. Mcloud. But she's Michonne. Michonne. Uh, come on, it wow, has the have, same amount of syllables. This, this is insane. Yeah. Jeff, I love this theory so much. <laughs> hey, uh, tune in for more of these theories. Uh, check out uh, TLDW oh. podcast um, done by Paul. I have, Roman I have checked Jeff that out. Ray. Everybody should check Shameless that out. Plug. Shameless plug. Uh, back to the episode. <laughs> this episode brought in. to you by Shameless Plugging. <laughs> if anybody has ever been in construction before, though, and this is kind of jumping ahead in the yeah, me too, Jeff. Uh, if this is kind of jumping ahead in the episode. But I, I have to apologize to everybody out there that's ever put up sheet metal because the stuff they stuck on the cars, bullets yeah, go I'm right like, through that. that was killing me. It My pellet gun would have shot right no. through that. <laughs> a paintball gun would have put a hole into that sheet metal. That was the weakest sheet metal. It keeps out zombies from pushing forward, but not bullets or automatic weapons. Well, they're afraid of the sharp parts. I, I guess... Like... You know, if you put a flesh through there, it's going but to But as soon as I saw that, up. I was like, I've installed this stuff. I've put this on roofs. I am so frustrated right now because this will not stop anything except for a zombie yeah, touching that, you. It killed me, too. Right when I saw that, I'm like, what are they doing? This is not going to work. And it really, that that was something, again, that was another frustration thing. And I try to watch things as cinematic value, but when I know something... It bothers me. Like I, if I see so, like security guards in movies and everything, always bother me. <laughs> uh, then, it, but it's yeah, that part really was kind of kind of uh, doing it in for me. But Nick, do you have anything else in closing? Yeah, I just don't want to. I don't want to crap on the whole episode. Um, there was some really good shots that were that just left the zombies horde that was coming. It left a shot on the zombies as they were walking. That was really good. There was another shot of Carl putting his hat down on the ground, looking underneath the car. That was a reference to episode one where Rick did that. But it also showed Rick popping into that scene, and it shows where Rick's at in this world now. Because in episode one, Rick looks underneath the car. He sees a little girl picking up a stuffed animal, and he's trying to help her. He's like, oh, look, there's a little girl. Let me save this little girl. She turns around. She's a zombie. He's like, oh, I'm not living in this world now. And this episode 100, he sees this guy and he instantly starts shooting above his head. There is no more helping of Rick. Rick is, this is a good analogy of where Rick is at from episode one to episode 100. And I, I appreciate that shot being done again. It, it was really cool. That's crazy to think because I fell yeah. off and there's 100 episodes. Yeah. Jesus. I just had a question about, so like <clears throat> zombies typically represent something in horror you know, it's in this case, so you're talking about like the zombie horde. It sounds like this episode's happening in multiple timelines. What do you think they're representing at this point? Do you just like the past coming to get him again or what have you? Just curious. You mean for Rick? Yeah, or just for where they're at in general. I haven't finished a season since season four. I don't and blame yeah, I I predicted <laughs> I predicted Terminus <laughs> like the moment I saw the sign, I'm like, oh, nay, they're cannibals. 
So it's like it's cool and all, but like I think that everybody, I think everybody really kind of. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like I'm not in a special class or anything like that. But it, like I know. I see. Did. See in the book. <laughs> so. the, not to go back to the book, and I know we're trying to move quickly, but to go back into the book. I'm pointing at my bookshelf full of Walking Dead toys and and everything. So I'm a kind of an apologist. <laughs> Don't worry. This yeah. Is an audio in, in the <laughs> no. So in the book though, the cannibal thing is like. I don't know. It's maybe it's two. It's two small storylines. It's very quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't bother me at all. They kind of took care of the problem and they moved on. And... Well, go ahead, Damien. No, I'm down with the cannibals, but I was just like <laughs> I predicted it. Oh, and... I didn't know where you stood. See, I thought you were. No, no, no. I, I, I no. Okay. I love cannibals. I'm a huge okay, fan of cannibal no. storylines. You know what? Long pig you, is you the best. You do look good pig. to eat there, Paul. Thank you. Actually, I would be the worst kind of. Uh, Choice I learned. My chef at work, she told me that people who are too skinny and people who are too big would be terrible in uh, cannibalistic situations because the fat that humans have is not flavorful like on a pig or a cow. And seeing as I'm all this fat, I would be tasting horrible. I'd be good for uh, keeping your flames going, though. So kill me, use me for uh, fuel. Yes. You're just, not, you're just not good in zombie land because rule one is cardio. Exactly. Well, you and my wife, you and my wife will make it. While I will oh, absolutely, I will be the first to start carving into your calf. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys. With that, let's go into Mr. Robot. Okay, Mr. Robot. Robot. Very quickly, season season three, episode three, did not move the story on uh, at all. Basically, all it did is go back and show you where Tyrell Wellick is. Tyrell Wellick is a big uh, character in this story. He is basically helping Elliot, Elliot with Plan A. Um, now they're on Plan B in Season 3, which you don't get any reference in until the very last episode of Season 2, or two episodes last Season 2. So in ep- Season 2, Tyrell is gone. You really don't know where he's at until the end of Season 2. Episode 3, all it did was show you where he was at the whole time. Now, all I want to mention is that Bobby Car- Car- Caravella... He was in uh, Boardwalk oh. Empire. Um, yeah, he was. He's an Ant-Man also. So, very beginning of episode one of season three, there is like a three-minute shot with him just talking to somebody that's working at uh, Shake Shack or some type of burger place. I think it was Shake Shack. He is so good so far. He is actually saving this season for me so far. So, Tyro Wellick, backstory, episode three. They bring you up to speed. Now episode four is going to push the story along a little bit more. Um, that's basically all okay. I have on Still, that. Still haven't got into watching that. I got a bunch of other stuff going on, but I will. It is something that I will eventually consume. I promise. You will like it until I tell you that it's bad because I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, a, I'm, like I'm feeling a that turning lighter. for me a little bit after episode three because I hate these backstories of, I mean, he was chopping wood for ten minutes. Ugh. <laughs> I love those. Wow. I love those. Anything that builds the world is great. I, I'm I'm with Jeff. I love no. world building stuff. That's why I usually like the first movie in a trilogy is always my favorite because it's been the governor's episode of The Walking Dead is probably one of the best episodes because you kind of realize why he I'll... is the way he is. Doesn't make it mm-hmm. any better the uh, when he kills those uh, everybody and kills a uh, crap. What's his name? Oh yeah, that's oh, daddy. Uh... Will shit. Will, yeah. will, will I am? Uh, I will agree with you on TWD that the backstories are my favorite episodes. I'm glad they're not pushing the story along because it's been years in that episode. And Mr. Robot, 
there is something happening in 11 days and they reference it and there's a UN vote in 11 days. They represent, uh, uh, they talk about episode two and to stretch out the season for 11 days, a lot of stuff has to happen. So now I feel like they're just shoehorning in these backstory uh, that they didn't do in the first two episodes. Um, they do a little bit for Elliot, but you know, We'll see how episode four goes. Next up, we have Paul. Paul, you got something to talk about. You saw a little movie. Aye. Aye. I saw Baby Driver. And I'd like to talk to you as a drunk Scotsman reviewing uh, Baby Driver now, if you don't mind me doing. Uh, Baby Driver is Igorite's first film in four years. And is uh, it's his coolest one to date. Wright's dialogue is snappy and it's steeped in stylization. Characters talk like the bastard love children of Raymond Chandler and Quentin Tarantino, and I love it. The car chases are among the most exhilarating of recent memories, of which I have very few. Real people doing real driving down real streets through quote-unquote real traffic. What's even better is that you can actually watch all the chase sequences, because the film is shot exquisitely. And it should come as no surprise as once again, right, it's teamed with cinema took cinnamon photographer Bill Pope. The movie is an action-packed car chase musical. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's not actually the greatest thing I've ever seen, but I did really, really enjoy it. And I just felt that uh, the best way to describe that would to be would be to be uh drunk and scottish because i just feel like i i sitting outside that movie i would love to hear a drunk scotsman talking about how great baby driver is because it's pretty freaking okay. cool i i appreciate the drunken... you know that a scotsman nowadays would be be mostly just <laughs> yeah, that's good. good i liked it it's a good a film. Scottish... <laughs> yeah yeah it's scottish good. guy would be very brief on that i did appreciate it's your good drunken scottish <laughs> Thank you. It, he's drunk. He's a rambler. Uh, but yeah, Baby Driver was really freaking cool. I enjoyed it. Uh, my only beef with it is that the female characters were either girlfriends, moms, or damsels in distress. Okay. That's my only real beef with it. So the female characters were like paper thin. How was the soundtrack for it? Because this movie, because of the fact, I was going to awesome. say, because Baby, because of the way his hearing stuff is... He's yeah, got so tinnitus. He, so he listens, tinnitus, uses, yeah. listens to music all the time while he's driving. So I, I was like, that mm-hmm. automatically, this has got to be one of those films where you see, and it's going to sell a lot of soundtracks. Yeah, the soundtrack is absolutely fantastic. Paul, you made a good point that I've seen this. I've watched this movie three times now because I love mm-hmm. Edgar Wright. But you made a good point. Usually he has strong female characters in it, and I didn't catch on to that. So very good point there that, yeah, they were all just... Yeah, nothing was uh, nothing was driven really from the female characters. None of the story points, nothing besides the fact one of them wanted to kill uh, Jamie Foxx really badly. So I want to bring up something. Uh, Baby Driver has been a movie that Edgar mm-hmm. Wright has wanted to make for years, for years, and that's it. Kind of shows with the stuff that he picked out for his soundtrack, like it's all older stuff. I haven't seen it yet, but I've done a lot of research on it. Um, And the thing that I feel like might kind of show in that is the paper-thin women uh, are female leads, or female characters in general. Because I feel I 
if I remember correctly, Edgar Wright made this back in no, no, no. 94 is when he came up with the initial uh, concept 94. for it. In okay. the I thought he would have been like a, he would have been like yeah. 12 or 13, not even. But it's just, it's more of a like mm-hmm. the show of the times type thing. Like he had this. It wasn't out written out. It was just he had the idea and he's built it over years. Uh, and you've seen in different movies that he's done different uses of the concept. For like the example, the Queen song in Shaun of the Dead. That scene is very much to the music, and it's very much a musical number. And he talks about this in the bonus features as well and behind-the-scenes stuff that he did that purposefully in those movies because it was like rehearsal for him for when he finally got to make his big music-driven action film. And that is what separates it from a lot of other car chase movies and action films is that they were editing on set to the music and everything like that. Kevin Spacey was acting out scenes while the music was playing so they can make sure that it was all choreographed to the beat and to the music. Now, is this movie more about the spectacle or the characters? It's all about it's completely about the spectacle. The characters are fine. And they're fun, and they're they're portrayed great. All the performances are really, really good in it, you know. Uh, but it's definitely more about the spectacle of it. Yeah, the only character that I did not like was Kevin Spacey. I didn't understand why they feared him. There was no backstory to him. Why were they scared of this guy? I understand he sets up jobs. Is mm-hmm. he part of the mob? Did he have a mob behind him? Was he a mob boss? I didn't understand why anybody would be scared of him at all. Besides the fact that he set up these these heists. That's the thing is he's the guy in charge. We don't get that backstory from him uh, explained the way we do for a lot of the other characters because there's that mystical quality about why he is in charge. But clearly he's a man with a lot of wealth and a lot of power to where he has people in his back pocket, you know, and he's able to get all these types of things set up so well. Like he's so well connected in the underworld of Atlanta and with you know, the upper tiers, that he's just that guy. And that, if if it's something that you're not liking, then that's definitely coming through because of the writing. And a lot of the fact that, like how Jeff asked, is it about the characters or the spectacle? Again, characters are thin in it. Like, they're all pretty one note. <clears throat> yeah, you're right. The only back character is, is Baby, really. Um, I'm sorry, the backstory from Baby. And even it's his story thin. is, exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, his mom died. He stole a car. Now he's working off the debt. It's it's just strong enough to get you to watch the amazing car chase sequences and all that. And it's it's the people actually doing the driving. Like there's a lot of great stunt work in there, but then Ansel Eogar, I can't say his last name, but Ansel learned how to do quite a bit of the driving himself, the drifting, the one eighties, the ninety degrees, all those shots because they wanted to show them from inside the car, they wanted you to see the actors doing this so it could feel real. And it because of that, it does. And it's like it's just a cool movie. Like it's really the best way to describe it. Everyone in that movie is just like, yeah. Shades and sixties, cigarettes, you know, what's up, man? How's it going? You know, type of cool. Yeah, definitely so, yeah. something that I've I've been wanting to check out. Um uh... It's on it's it's on my short list of things ones that I'm either gonna rent or wait for it to go come on to a streaming service to watch. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say just do it definitely. Oh, 
And also, it's not a comedy. Edgar Wright does every other movie he's done has been a comedy. This is not a comedy. Like, there's a couple parts where it's kind of funny. It's a little bit. I don't think it's that gory. There, there's a. (laughs) The third act is so freaking over the top and awesome. And there's a couple moments in there where I was just like, "Oh my god, what did I just see?" But yeah, okay. This did feel like an Edgar Wright movie that he is going, hey, look, I love all this music, and I wanted to put it in one film because it is very, very driven by music. Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing is some of the shots that are during the heist, he moves the camera so you don't see the heist at all. You just see Baby Driver counting out the song, and he has to, even one scene where he has to restart the song because it's off his beat. He has to have the beat correctly for him to drive. A lot of that stuff is just brilliantly done. Uh, it's fantastic. Everybody should watch it. Damien, I'm surprised you haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Jeff, you too. Yeah, yeah it's I great. Know, I need to. I'm no, a big Edgar Wright yeah. fan, though. Everybody should be an Edgar Wright fan, though. Well, I've seen all, uh, like, yeah. his whole trilogy uh, uh, with Paul, w- actually. The, one last thing I want to say, a little anecdote. This is the end. Uh, world's End. Uh, Nick. When I first got introduced to these guys, the geeks, uh, Jeff was like, well, send them some of your writing that you've done. And I sent them a thesis paper I wrote from my film class about Edgar Wright. And the title of it is, if this is wrong, I don't want to be Edgar Wright. So, like, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm a huge Edgar Wright fan. Like, yeah, he's, everything he's done. He's like the bee's knees. Yeah, <laughs> I love that term. I love that term. <laughs> everything he's done, I, I've loved this is one of my favorite. Edgar Next Wright up, movies. we got Jeff. You're going to be talking about someone else that you and Paul are kind of or enjoy a lot. Some a uh, film by Mike Flanagan, correct? Oh yes, Mike Flanagan makes some great horror movies and also some great just thriller movies in general as well. Uh, you can look at uh, you can look at Oculus uh, Lights Out. You can look at Ouija. Oh no, no, Hush. He did Hush. Him. Yeah, Hush. And you can see Ouija, uh, the origin. Yeah, the story. sequel to Ouija. Ouija Origins of Evil. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That Man, Origins that was a good one. Yes. It was actually good. <laughs> and like really, really good. That one was, yeah. He has a really good horror and mm-hmm. thriller record. So to see him come out with a movie called Gerald's Game that is based on a Stephen King book by the same name I was interested I sat down and I watched it with my wife and this movie hits hard on a lot of issues that are happening in the world today especially with like Harvey Weinstein just happening recently and just sexual abuse in general Uh, and it's kind of in the vein of the horror story and how I feel like the horror story is going to end up going. And how that is, is it's not going to be more of the jump scares and things that just, like, scare you because they shock you. It's going to be more of those in-the-gut type of fear that you can see, like, lights out. Uh, it follows and raw kind of follow that that tendency those little taboos that are kind of on the outliers of how society works like it follows you don't know that somebody's following you uh and then when you find out it's the only thing that you can think about and with gerald's game how it ends up is this older couple is going up to their 
little retreat house and they're 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 wanting to work on their marriage so they're going out for this weekend for themselves and the wife has this nice slip that she puts on she's on the bed the husband comes up gerald and decides that all right let's get a little kinky and let me put on some handcuffs so she is handcuffed to the bed po- uh to the bed posts and everything she, he starts getting a little rough with her and she doesn't like it so he she tells him to stop it and then there he's like oh well i don't know what i did wrong and then he ends up having a heart attack he dies falls onto the ground and she is stuck there george Costanza style yeah sorry i had to add some humor to that yeah but that's what ends up happening uh, she is left there chained to a bed and doesn't know how to get get out of the situation she ends up starting to hallucinate and seeing her dead husband come back and then seeing herself talk to her and basically playing like the angel and devil for her and then she starts reliving things that happened to her in the past it's a really really interesting film that touches on a lot of like social issues and makes it just makes you uncomfortable in your gut not really outside but just in your gut and that's how i feel like uh horror is going before she starts hallucinating and stuff isn't she trying to fight just from like being dehydrated and trying to there's a cell phone nearby and isn't she trying to fight all these mm-hmm. things at the same time is that the same time she's hallucinating or you, you know what i'm talking about yes she's yeah. trying to survive uh, one of the things that she's trying to figure out is how can i make myself survive as long as i can uh so i didn't understand the me. glass of water on the bedpost or on the side table her husband takes some viagra and oh, okay the so they've made they set it up, up properly okay all right yes yes it's a it's all placed out correctly she's talking to herself and she she's talking to these illusions that she has in her mind uh to kind of i don't know if it's necessarily to keep her sane or if she's going insane i i actually feel like it is more to keep her sane because she is completely isolated except for a dog that comes and starts eating her Shit. husband. Jeez. I didn't know I didn't know to go there. Yeah. It's it's really messed up in in a lot of social Now is this uh ways. is this a slow burn? It's a very slow uh, slow burn. How like like I mean is just is, it, like, is, this, is this a film that they will the preview is something that will come out to make it look more like it's a fast-paced horror film or similar to it whereas it actually is more uh, more of a drawn-out story that's... It's more... Yeah, it's more of a drawn-out story. You don't know exactly how it's going to end, uh, how she's really going to get out of it. And again, I feel like it's more with social discomfort uh, where it kind of gets into the horror uh, aspect, is social discomfort instead of just fully making you jump out of your pants because you got scared uh, by somebody jumping out okay. at you. Jeff, is this whole movie shot with her in the bed? Does it start? Mostly, <laughs> there's a build-up to them say. getting to the cabin where they're trying to work on their marriage, and then there's a build-up to them getting in the bed. And yes. Then... 
Yes, that all takes place within the first 10 minutes of the film. And most of it is her talking to the illusions. And there are a few, very few uh, cutscenes where she is going uh, back in time and reliving parts of her life. So I was just curious if it held your attention the whole time, if it was shot it really it really does honestly with the social commentary that ends up happening with this film me and my wife actually took a few breaks wow and went and had a few cigarettes and talked about the things that were going on and i feel i really like this type of horror that is happening now because it's so much more socially driven and things that are actually happening in real life you look at Get Out. You look at you look at all of these great films that are happening right now in this genre that don't fit the mold of what people think of as horror. And these are where I'm finding horror actually shining more. Yeah, you kind of sold me on that because I didn't realize it was going to go that yeah, direction. Yeah, I'm actually interested in watching it more. I was kind of holding back on it. Uh, I saw another Stephen King mm-hmm. Netflix original film that was on here that it advertised that the preview made it look like it was they, they, they're trying to capitalize Stephen King's novel Dolores Claiborne. And that was a Kathy Bates, another one of his Kathy Bates films. And it, it was a slower it was it was a much it was a slower story driven film that was that gut as as the daughter comes back to interview her mom, she starts finding out things about her past reasons why a certain individual was murdered. And it makes you feel uncomfortable in your gut. It's, it's that same type of thing. Mm-hmm. This other film that they just put out on Netflix was that, which I didn't realize first off that, that uh, Gerald's game was a Stephen King film. I just watched the 1922 and it's the same thing. Now, the preview for that one is very much like an it kind of creepy preview, but that's not the mm-hmm. film at all. The film is uh, very – I was irritated about that one because it was not portrayed in the preview the way it was it, way I was expecting to see. But I watched it, and I watched through the whole thing, and I enjoyed it, but it was this long story-driven thing, and it did make you feel uncomfortable. And then the climax – the, the climax of the film made you feel good for sticking around and watching it. But is, is that kind of how this one is? Yeah. Does it reward you for watch for going through there and being uncomfortable? It doesn't really make you uncomfortable though. Yes. In this one, Gerald's game. I don't okay. think. Okay, Paul. No, that's the thing. Uh, like I watched okay. it with a female. Okay. I watched it with a female. Oh, in that and... regard. No, no, no. That made me extremely uncomfortable. Okay, good, because that's that's how it makes you uncomfortable. And so that's why I'm saying that this is good horror, because it's going more off of social situation than it is going off of going off of the usual horror tropes that we're used to. Yeah. I don't know if it's a rewarding experience, so though, in that, this case. That's basically... Like, I enjoyed Gerald's game, but, like, I'm thinking about it now, I'm like, I don't really know if the end result was really worth it. 
see the payoff for me i don't know if it was necessarily worth it like the last all right so we're gonna get into the hype train after all this stuff jeff managing to get us get some of the pod the the guys on the cast here me included to want to watch gerald's game we're going to jump in to the hype train on something that is very near and dear to me and it's the style of writing that is behind this film and i just want to say that First off, before I even mention the name of the film, that's going to be a Netflix original. And I really honestly think that this is, they just need to call the shadow run. I know, right? Jeez. It is like total shadow run incarnate, except shadow runs a little yes. more futuristic. So than this. What we're talking about is Netflix original Will Smith starring Will Smith and Joel Egerton bright. Now, Bright, what if you're curious about what this is, if you have, haven't seen the trailers or anything like that, they came out with just a new trailer that's just f- fantastic. But it's an alternate universe where we, and this is the, the, when we first saw the first trailer, we tried to dissect it, figure out, you know, oh, is this like something, you know, did times collide or something? Was there a black hole, rifts, any of this thing, dimensional things? That's not what this is. What this is, is. This is a realm where humans, elves, orcs, basically all the things mythical exist together, however, evolved in the same style of how the world is today. You have, I mean, you have the racial tensions and everything between all the different different groups, and that's being displayed in this, in this trailer that just came out. It's like, it's the final trailer for Bright, and Bright comes out in December. I'm stoked for this movie. Like, I really am. I, it's true to form of how Will Smith was back in the day. You get to see him as bad boys type of Will Smith again. Um, and I'm kind, of, I'm kind of happy that they're tackling social issues in a way that can be swallowed Thank you. by the mass populace. Because you're, you're still going to have people that don't necessarily feel that the race discrimination is as big as it is that can watch this movie and maybe see it a little bit uh, a little bit more but who knows they could just see it an orc for an orc and that's all an orc is is an orc I, I did I, I did appreciate that the orc the gangster orc was just an orc and his his guys with yeah. him his posse of orcs were just orcs. They and they have different shades of color on them, but it wasn't like this was just like you know a, a Latino gang or a black gang or a white gang or anything like that. They were just an orc gang. Uh, there's that moment towards the end of the trailer where Will Smith is just like going off about how this dude looks like Shrek, and he's just making all these Shrek jokes. Think about this. This means that Shrek exists in this world of Bright. That means. <laughs> That Shrek is like Amos and Andy, a nineteen yeah exactly dude like cartoon just like superly racial changes everything movie where it's like oh they just think orcs fart all the time and shit like that or just be like I'm not a you know I'm not an ogre mother I'm an orc well first off they wouldn't think orcs are that because because Shrek is an ogre I just said that come on. Yeah, <laughs> it could be the same timeline. Yeah. But yeah, where the movie could like have a... just been in that timeline, so he just referenced Fiona at that point. No, it's just funny because to you're right. About, like, he's an when orger, they make references, an ogre. Like that. Sorry, yeah. not an orger. 
<laughs> Will Smith references <laughs> Shrek in a lot of different films. Is that him? Because he loves Eddie Murphy. Is that him just saying, you know, Eddie Murphy's the greatest? Penises. <laughs> All right, so we're going into the hype train. We're we got about three things that we're going to be going over with this in the hype train this week. We had a lot big, big in our queue, getting other people on and stuff like that. But what we got to jump into right now, we're going to jump into Bright. Now, this film I think should have been called, you know, should have been called Shadowrun. I'm just saying because because <laughs> it seems everything Shadowrun now. Off, off of the, off of the, the podcast, we were talking a little bit about this, and Jeff, you're saying, yeah, Shadowrun is in the future, which, which, yeah, well, yes. it's cyberpunk with with orcs and, and, and gnomes and dwarves. And this one's a little bit more like d twenty d twenty modern uh, plus uh, plus that. So, uh, no, I I completely agree with you. Like, I got the exact same vibe as that was it it is like shadow run incarnate basically by the first by the first little scenes of seeing this stuff like i I originally thought i'm like okay is this uh this looks like a del toro film i'm like uh i'm like this is this this is like hellboy kind of and and i'm like i'm I'm liking this i'm liking where i've seen it go and then after watching the first trailer i was just insanely excited now, I did some research on this, and I found out that the way the storyline goes is that this is actually an alternate universe where we just had a lot of other races, and those were – we had elves, we had orcs, we had uh, – basically all the things fantasy existed, and but still, by the way things happened, everything evolved up, and everything evolved up to be the same as uh, – everything evolved to be the be the same way it is right now everybody's equals as homo sapiens yeah. uh, or, or so correct in the light of today's and and and, and social yeah you know social justice or so, the way society is now today and in that light yeah there's there is also a tier. and it, what, what i found interesting is it, it looks like the high like the elves like it looks like they took a little bit from high elves because the elves seem to be of that higher tier uh, oh, see, I, you don't know that yet because honestly, the only elf that they showed looked like he was a. Okay, okay, a of, stand, like, I, I, I stand so, corrected. Well, okay, well that that's not necessarily true as well. Like you also saw a lot of elves yes. in the underground. Like the main the main villain that they're chasing that is using the the wish technology or or the wish magic. Uh, looks like it could be an elf but who knows at this point uh what i've noticed at least with bright is that they have a lot left a lot out and so a lot of guessing netflix seems like they're doing a lot more a lot better at kind of how they do their trailers as compared to the regular producers they give you a lot more guessing now this this film it that it go it's it feels a lot like end of watch for at least from the looks of it it looks like it's going that route and that's what the director one of his other films was end of watch now mm-hmm. the other thing is about this is that this the orc one of the things they talk about is the orc that is Joel Egerton he is the first orc police officer correct yeah and so they're that 
So it's like Zootopia. <laughs> He's the bunny of Zootopia, and Will Smith is the fox, the sly fox yeah. that has to help him along the way. Or the other way around. Oh, ooh, actually, no, I kind of used the <laughs> wrong thing then because they were both the firsts of their kind. Yep. <laughs> like, I love the different cuts and stuff like that. I love the fact that it cuts away in the trailer and you see Will Smith holding a claymore. Like, I saw I saw that. I'm like, okay, this is going to be awesome. I, I, I feel it. That scene better be awesome because anytime, like, you, you put a sword in someone's hand, I want to see limbs being hacked off. I want to see this go totally kill bill like i'm hoping yeah you have that that random dude walking around that looks like basically a highlander walking around with a claymore threatening people instead of a gun and it this this movie seems like it's the best way to take the social tensions of today and put them in a way that people can understand them and look at them and relate with exactly that they're necessarily that's what if this if this takes off this could be a way for them to peel put out content that would absorb people would absorb and then later wonder why they're thinking about things differently when they're seeing things happen out on in the news and in the media and stuff nick yeah if you use fantasy characters as in the the way the society is right now if you use fantasy characters people can relate to that very easily and they can take any character. I could be an orc in this in this in the way this movie is, or I could be an elf, or I could be the cop, or or whatever the social tier is in this movie. I could be any one of those things. So you could any way you watch this this trailer, whoever you are, you can relate to a certain character as it's going. I, I really related to the gangster orc because as a teenager, I was yeah. growing up in a bad part of town, and I thought it was some tough gangster guy. But uh, we all know that's not true. <laughs> and, and the director was David Iyer, and a pro, I think I pronounced that right. And his movies, Air. I think it's okay. Air, but uh, yeah. But don't quote me on that because I might be wrong. His as movies well. in the past are are kind of it's it's ups and downs with them. But I'm hoping I'm hoping because of the way that this one looks and the stuff that they got behind it, I'm hoping this is an up. The thing that you kind of have to look at directors is more of like the uphill climb. Um, recently, you can look at his recent stuff, and that is End of Watch, Fury, uh, and Suicide Squad. Now, see. And so you mm, see End yeah. of Watch and Fury. Those are good. You see Suicide Squad. This is what I'm afraid of, Jeff, is that soon as Will Smith was attached to Suicide Squad and Tom Hardy wasn't, I was completely disappointed. I didn't want a Suicide Squad that just... I I fell off the cliff with Will Smith. Uh, I Previous, you know, Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2. Old Will Smith, I really enjoyed. New Will Smith, I don't enjoy as much. Some of his more dramatic roles I like, but some of his action stuff lately, I just don't care for. So him being attached to Bright does make me a little bit worried. Um, hopefully David Ayer... Hopefully he, he, he turns the corner and the uphill tick after Fury Suicide Squad, squad kind of went down. Hopefully up tweak is, is going this way again, you know? And uh, honestly, when you see Suicide Squad, uh, the thing that you have to realize a lot of the time is that there was a lot of producer uh, manipulation that was happening in there. Now, Paul, who has unfortunately had to kind of bounce out now, but... Paul had brought up a lot of good points uh, in our Discord saying that he 
uh, he had a lot of director control on a few things that he didn't think worked out that well. But the thing is, is that also producer manipulation and producer uh, talks and stuff that can also affect a director as much. And then you start questioning yourself and then you start thinking, oh, maybe the stuff that I thought was good is actually not so good. And so even the stuff that you're in control of, you start making bad decisions on. Even though, if, even though you're correct on that, producing can screw up a film easily. He is the director, so that's the way you look at it. He's the top of that pyramid for that movie. And a lot of that movie probably went his direction. He prob- He had a lot of say in that movie, which I don't think anybody enjoyed. Um, hopefully Bright is different. Go ahead, Damien. Sorry. Actually, when I saw the film, I was like, I didn't like the big bad in it. That was the, my biggest issue with it. And then the fact that one of the big bads was just solely CG, and that was another thing. And not, not well, well done CG bothered me. But as time went on, and then I finally watched it with my wife, and my wife had, loves the soundtrack for it. And I kept listening to it, and then the more I listened to the soundtrack, this is a thing where the music made me fondly remember scenes from the movie. And then I started realizing when I watched it, I watched it the third time I watched it, I was like, this is not a favorite of film of mine, but I actually like this. I like the characters. Will Smith's character, I, I would have rather seen a different, I would have rather seen a different actor play his character. But all the other characters... I liked. He shouldn't have been the lead, though. Mm-mm. I just his, his. Go ahead, Jeff. I can see you're angry over here. <laughs> uh, sorry. No, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Will Smith. Will Smith for me is one of those guys that can actually make a, a film more than break a film. And now I'm going off a lot of the things that I remember, especially sci-fi stuff. You look at. Uh, all the the whole men in black series you look at i robot you look at i am legend you look at these ones where he is going more the sci-fi or the fantasy more more sci-fi than anything because i i think this is like the first fantasy film that i can really think of him being in and he usually brings something to the table i know that a lot of his stuff that has come out recently like what is it uh his m night Shyamalan movie that came out um and of course suicide squad was that necessarily his fault No, i'm not saying it's his fault i i personally just fell Mm -hmm. off will smith myself uh i'm not saying he can't carry a film because obviously he can i am legend i love and who else could you put in that role i mean Mm -hmm. you can do tom hanks and castaway but putting an actor and lead actor into a role where he's by himself and carry a whole movie, that is really hard. That's really hard to do. And he pulled that off well. Oh, yeah. Very well. Very well I mean, or very well? Very yeah. well and very well. But all he had to play off was the dog. Very. And, I mean, it, that was great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's only so many guys that can do that. I have a lot more confidence in Will Smith being able to pull this film than I have in David Ayer. But maybe maybe this can be something that they both shine in because honestly 
I like that David Ayer also kind of moved away from the trope of a lot of uh, sci-fi and fantasy things where you make a creature and then that creature that you cast as a person of color and the, what they use a lot of the time is because oh their bone structure is a little different and it can the thing that I think about the most is when you watch Tim Burton's film and most of, uh, of Planet of the Apes and most of the characters uh, that play the gorillas or the or the chimpanzees or any of that they're people now, of color uh, we were talking about this on discord you Paul were talking back and forth I jumped mm-hmm. in here and there but uh, that's a very valid point, and it's a good point on this trailer. Like we said, the orcs are just orcs. The elves are just elves. You can pick mm-hmm. any one of those exactly. characters. And I've already said this before, and I'm repeating myself now. And I want to do that, Damien. Hey, it's all good. <laughs> uh, but I hope in this Will – sorry. I hope in Bright, though, Will Smith is a little bit more bad boyish. Some of his dialogue is F this, mm-hmm. F that. So I am hoping it's more bad boyish Will Smith. Oh yeah, it looks it looks so much like it's going to be, and I'm glad that they're not using those same tropes that they are. It, it looks like they could be using some people of color as as the different creatures, and that's great. Yeah, that's fine. But I just don't want to see every single one being a person of color, and making it actually kind of mold and be like, oh hey, even though they're orcs, they don't all look the same, type of thing that you kind of get with a lot of how sci-fi and fantasy work. There's not as much to see. It doesn't, it doesn't make a race look like how a race actually looks in real life. It's, it's definitely something that this is when this comes out, like this is one that I want it to release on DVD the same time because I will buy this 4k Blu-ray. I want, I have to own it because it's, yeah, I would love this in my actual personal collection as well instead of having to stream it the now, whole time. Next, we're going to we're going to kind of go out of this bright height and we're going to go we're going to go into Black Panther. Black Panther though. I am I'm really excited for this movie. Uh, <laughs> uh I'm really excited for this movie. Uh I was really excited for this trailer. Now, watching a lot of uh, the trailers added together, I watched this extended long trailer. For anybody that's not anybody that watched the Black Panther trailer that doesn't see Captain America, Iron Man, Spider Man, and don't think these are top notch characters, oh, they're not in this movie. We don't know if they are or not. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that is that Black Panther is a very very strong character, and inside Black Panther's universe, there is multiple multiple strong characters in there. There is so much going on in that trailer. I think, Jeff, you were mentioning about uh, Michael B. Jordan earlier playing uh, Killmonger. That is a big character in there. And also in the in the trailer. Mm-hmm. What? Warmonger. No, Killmonger. War- it's War- Killmonger. Uh, isn't it right? Killmonger, yeah. I thought, I don't want to air as a mission. I had two this week. Um, like, well, that's on But he also is breaking out, uh, and there's a scene where he's breaking out. He's breaking out Ulysses' Martin. claw. Yeah, Lucy's Claw, who is also a very strong character in the books. I mean, these and and then the way this trailer is set up, it looks like Black Panther. Uh, who is he played by again? He's um, played by Damian. Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman, who was I thought he was fantastic in uh, Captain America: Civil War. Oh yeah, to, to his his portrayal of T'Challa. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but is was it was awesome, and it was underplayed on the tech that they're culture had 
Yes. Vibranium, vibranium is, is their whole world. This is like a country full of gold. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, the thing is, is that uh, honestly, Black Panther is one of the, if not the richest character in all of Marvel superheroes. You think Tony Stark is rich. Black Panther is even Correct. more rich. And so the bankroll, the bankroll now is not going to be Tony Stark since uh, Robert Downey Jr. is going to be stepping down. You're going to see Black Panther uh, become more of, and I'm sorry, what what is Black Panther? What is his... Uh, T'Challa. What is his actual name? I, th- I think. T'Challa. Is there T'Challa or yeah. T'Challa? Uh, you're T'Challa. Gonna... T'Challa. I think that's a good point, though, and I actually didn't even think about that, Jeff. He, he might be the bankroll. Mm-hmm. Um, going off of that point, though, did you not notice um, in uh, farther along in the trailer, you see his suit kind of kind of morphing over his body? That's an Iron exactly. Man. That's an yes, Iron Man suit yes. from like Civil War where he hits his watch and the glove kind of, you know, the hand kind of goes over it. And a lot of people don't realize that uh, Black Panther has multiple suits correct just like how iron man does depending on the situation mm-hmm. he has a different suit for that if he's going for a stealth situation it's more sleek and it has uh different technologies for him to be able to now there more. is a part in the trailer that shows an earlier version of the suit but i think it's his father um you see him out in the safari out in the jungle there's some um, soldiers there. They have some old 80s type of Jeeps. Even their walkie-talkies are old. You know what I'm talking about, Damien? Yeah. yeah, so I they were talking about they I think that's his father protecting, you know, their homeland at that point. I just had a theory. We we know <laughs> what the new Iron Man Iron Man is in the comics. Correct. Okay. What if Marvel did a spin? And then the, they they went with they went with the character from the comics, but she came from Black Panther's uh, Black Panther's country. Oh man, what is the country called? I used Wakanda. To yes. What Wakanda. what if the new Iron Man or Iron Girl? She comes from Wakanda because they have the tech and everything there. We see how high tech everything is. This is a way that they could kind of change it up. That's that's a good point because Robert Downey Jr. is only signed on for what the next two Avengers and that's it, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, he's done after that, and most of the MCU, original yeah. Avengers. Well, that's are why going they came up with Avengers too. You have War Machine, Spider Man, you know, Vision, mm-hmm. all that stuff, so they could carry along. The... You're going to have, uh, yeah, and that's why they brought started bringing in Spider Man. They started bringing in Doctor Strange, uh, Vision, Doctor Strange, because he is going to be the lead. Like he is going to be the head of it. You're going to have Captain. Uh, it's going to be Black Panther, Bucky, and uh, and Doctor Strange. See what I was hoping that's for is because in the books and the New Avengers, Luke Cage is the leader. He's the man. And I was hoping for the little crossover from the Netflix, but obviously that's not going to happen. But in this Black Panther trailer, there is a lot going on in here. Um, Obviously, he is coming back home from the what happened at Civil War with his father uh, is deceased now. And he's coming back home. And even uh, his mother or his sister says that it is his time to shine. It's his time to pull. And there is a scene where he is walking into this waterfall and basically he has to fight Killmonger 
and probably several other suitors that want to take the throne of Rwanda. Or, I'm sorry, not Rwanda. Wakanda. Uh, yeah. Wakanda. Wakanda, yeah. Take the throne of Wakanda. And th- that I think that's just the opening part of this of this movie, is this to show that he, he, I, I think he comes in with a sword and a shield. I think he wins. And then I think the rest of the movie is them trying to get him out of out of power because there's a lot of scenes of him looking like he's in charge. Um, uh, another character in there is his sister, who is basically the the Tony Stark of this movie. She is she can take any vibranium and make it into anything. Uh, you even see a scene where she has two Black Panther like fists that like shoot like I don't know whatever they shoot out of sonic booms or something like that. But uh, she's another strong character too. I I kind of forgot her. Also, Machida is in this movie too. She's a strong, strong character in this. Um, it's it's go ahead, Damian, the, the yeah. whole the whole movie just looks it looks to be a new fantastic in, entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It just is looks like something. It looks like it's going to be fun. Doesn't seem like it's going to be something that's that was sometimes when you get a new series or a new a new entry franchise, you have to be you know you got to you suffer that franchise entry film where it's kind of it's good but it's not as good as as some of the storylines they they add in later. This looks like it's it looks like it's hitting the ground running off of Civil War, which is actually if you read the synopsis, it takes place directly after Civil War. Yeah, it, correct. And in the Civil War it even shows Captain America and you know there. Yeah, so I'm 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 uh, I'm suggesting that he might show up in this movie at some point, but I don't know. He's obviously hiding from there. Go ahead, Jeff. So, um, what I think is going to happen is that you've seen a, a trend that has been happening recently with Spider-Man: Homecoming, with uh, oh, crap, of the what was the other one? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> Volume One and um, Two. That. Yeah, well, I'm I'm just talking about oh, okay. two. Uh, in the last in the last year, there has been something that has been happening where these things have been coming out certified fresh. Basically, all of them are certified fresh, and then you see what's happening with Thor Ragnarok right now. I guarantee, right now they are at ninety nine. Uh, last time I checked was ninety nine percent with seventy eight reviews, and of course it's going to drop from there. But that will still be certified fresh by by the time that it is actually out for regular audiences to watch. And so you're seeing a new rise of like good cream of the crop Marvel material coming out. So Black Panther, I feel, is going to be exactly what the fans want Black Panther that's, to be. I mean, and that's what I, I feel too. Like, I just don't you guys think that most people will see black panther as character b they'll take on captain american uh iron man maybe even spider-man as character a's like these are the top-notch characters in, in my world in my world black panther is one of my favorite characters i just i'm a fear that yes. I'm, i have a fearfulness that people are not going to go see this movie that's why i just want to just point out that there's a lot of strong characters in this movie it is it, you know it looks great well, the thing is, is that people, the, the, how he was received, how Black Panther was received back in Civil War, 
uh, mm-hmm. was very well. Like they really liked him there. He was just as well received as Spider Man being Good. in there. So it's going to be well, and people the the feeling of the trailers coming out and how people are actually receiving those trailers is good as well like i'm hearing people being like oh this is kind of it's kind of nice to see one of those kind of like afro samurai type things kind of going on i know that that sounds possibly a little racist and i'm not trying to but uh i can't remember exactly the correct terminology that i've heard for it but it's like one of those afro oh afro uh it's a 70 it was a 70s term it's uh yes yeah, yes, yes they, exactly. they, uh, i'm sorry i'm dropping it too but i did read about that too jeff they were they brought that up as as afrocentric uh uh yeah as yes. this movie um i think w- i want to use the right correct, term and yeah. if somebody would like to give me yeah. that right term I would love to be able to use it, but I'm totally all I know is that on it right now. I am th- this movie. I, I all I all I see when I see this film, is, or the the preview is a something I'm excited for. Like I don't see when when I see this, I don't see it as as anything other than it's a superhero film that I am excited to take my family to go see, and it just it mm-hmm. that's all I see with it. Like, I don't see it at like, I, and I, and I get what, what we're, what you, the, what the term that you're trying, trying to come up with. But it, for me, it's, it is just something that it is. It definitely is something that was needed. It, it cause correct. And it's, it is Afrocentric, Jeff. I was correct on, uh, yeah, it was Afrocentric. Afrocentric. And I did read about that, yeah, okay. but Damien, I know what the, the point you're, I, I, I'm going to reiterate your point there that this is a very heaven driven African American film. But but this is a film that we all and that love these type of characters. We, we want this film. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's something that it's it's just it's time. And correct. That, that, that's yeah. that's what I want to leave on this is that it, it's time for films like this to come out and for everybody to be able to just enjoy these characters. And then you know what? After you find out you like these characters, go check out their comics. They have a rich history yeah. of comics that are dating back correct. to the seventies. Black Panther, Black Panther is amazing. Like everybody needs to really go and see. That's what I was Black worried Panther. about, Jeff, is that people not seeing it on the first weekend, having a low, and then the, and then people, and then the fans will come out and say, "Oh, great it is." But I think what you're saying is it's certified fresh. I'm not worried anymore. It does come out two sixteen eighteen. Now, with that, we've been running. We're, we're this is a longer episode than than everything, so we're going to kind of tie this up and. First off, we're going to go into where you can find us. You can find us, uh, you can email us at geekologist at ninjapancake.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Geekologist Radio, web at geekologistradio.com, also on ninjapancake.com. We also have the other email you can reach us at is podcast at geekologistradio.com. And then individually, Nick, where can we reach you? You can find me at Nick and PDX, all one word on Twitter. And also check out the Facebook page that Damien's been running and doing a very well job. Do very well job. Very good job on this week. Uh, putting up a lot of good content on there. Um, and, and a lot of other people are per- uh, participating too. Um, so check that out. We have some good stuff. Comment on it. Like it. We appreciate it. Jeff, where can we find you? <laughs> 
You can find me on Twitter at the Jeff Berry. That is T H E G E O F F B A R R Y. And you can also find me putting random videos of my random exploits on Xbox Live onto the Facebook page, as well as maybe a minimal tweet from me. And then, Paul, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Paul double R O M A N. You can also find me on Instagram. You can find me on the Too Long Didn't Watch podcast that's being hosted here on Geekologist Radio. Do that with Jeff. We got new episodes coming soon. So, yeah. All right, folks. Thank you so much. You can find me <laughs> at on Twitter at Mr. Damian Nash. As well as, you know, running the Facebook and the and being all over on Twitter and wherever I can be. And with that, we are Meow. Meow.